This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, and I'm here, Charlie Dobbin, with a surprise, another surprise guest, Lorraine Flanagan. Woohoo! Hey, Charlie, how are you this morning? Excellent. Uh, other than having to uh, oh, jump some barricades, the <laughs> <laughs> lead the fire trucks through the barricades. Yes, indeed. It was a bit of a challenge getting here because there is a marathon going on this morning. There are. There is. And there's many road closures <laughs> on the way to Liberty Village. But we made it. We did. We made it. Skin of our teeth. We're here. Yes, we are. <laughs> so I'm so happy you're here. This is. Uh, I'm, it's great to be here again. It's yeah, been a again. while since you had me on your show. It's been maybe like, what, a year and a half or so. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and you've been bitten by. I always remember you uh, on Skype from Singapore or Japan. Oh, Japan. Wasn't yeah, that great? That was yeah, amazing. Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> that was one of my With favorite With the guys from B-Square That's Design. Right. Robert yeah, and Alex. Robert and Alex. And they, were, they had won yeah. an award yeah. at the Gardening World Cup in yeah. Japan. Yeah. yeah. So you were there with them. That was pretty fun. <laughs> it was. <laughs> That was a good interview. Okay, good. Okay, well, but you're here for the entire hour. I am. And you are a master gardener. You are a highly talented writer. You've uh, won awards for your uh, writing. You've traveled all uh, over. So people might want to call in just to pick your brains on some of the, you know, some of the amazing things you know. Sure, absolutely. It's part of why I've got you here, so I can have a little nap. <laughs> All right, the numbers to call in if you are local, 416-360-0740. If you're out of the GTA area, it's 866-740-4740. So we'd love to hear from you. A couple of upcoming events. As I mentioned to Lorraine on the way in, fewer events in July than there were in June. So there's a lot going on tomorrow because tomorrow is still June. Tomorrow, the Georgetown Hort Society annual garden tour called Through the Garden Gate. It's a tour of private and public gardens, both large and small, from a 10 until 4, only $10. Advanced tickets can be purchased at Foodstuffs on Main Street, south in Georgetown. Or tomorrow, you can pick up tickets at 14 James Street in Georgetown. Uh, check the web if you wish, www.gohort.com. G-E-O-Hort.com calendar. That sounds interesting, huh? And that's uh, a good price, actually. That's an for, amazing yeah. price. And tomorrow, the Oakville Hort Society is hosting the Secret Gardens of Oakville. Ooh. Ooh, that, that'll be a good way to bet. Yeah. Self-guided garden tour from 11 to 4, nine lovely gardens to view. Tickets are only $15 each or two for 25 Available at many locations around Oakville. And again, through the, through the web, more information, oakvillehort.org. Um, again, tomorrow, the St. Luke's Church Outreach Group in Burlington is hosting a five-garden tour and English afternoon tea. Ooh. That's tomorrow from 10 until 5. The tea is from 2 until 5. 
for tickets, I would suggest going to the different drummer bookstore in Burlington. Tickets are $25, but all the money goes towards children and need and local food banks. And something that's starting up kind of dear to both our hearts, I think, Lorraine, is the Toronto Botanical Garden's annual free summer music series. Oh, yeah, that's a great series. Every Thursday night, and it's all part and parcel of the organic farmer's market. There's a lovely cafe with all kinds of tasty foods. Yeah, absolutely. Music out in the gardens. So weather permitting, you just haul a chair along, grab a bite, you know, pick up your your, uh, shopping for the next few days. Absolutely, and there's some great stuff at that farmer's market, too. I always go there, yeah. Baked goods. But even if it rains, you know, they just haul everything inside, and the Music goes on. That's so right. It's a great <clears throat> evening. Exactly. So every Thursday for the next nine weeks, this is going to be happening. Music starts at seven o'clock, um, and it's an eclectic roster of popular artists set in the natural beauty of the gardens. And as you point out, rain or shine, uh, some seating available, but definitely recommended you bring yeah. your own free admission. It goes without saying, free parking. So a lot of fun, nice place to to just really enjoy. Just hang out, exactly. Yeah, sit yeah. back and enjoy nice the, summer evening. All of it. So that's uh, started this past Thursday and will continue for nine more Thursdays. All right. Um, I have one more. Actually, this is kind of cute. A fairy gardens <gasps> tour. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Where? Uh, Richmond Hill. The Richmond Hill Garden and Horticultural Society is presenting Fairy Gardens on Saturday, July the 16th from 10 until 4. Only $10 a ticket for adults and children over the age of 14. Um, yeah, pretty cute. Should be fun for kids. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. If you've got a young one, take them out to see some of these. Exactly. Get them gardening young. I know. And, it, well, <laughs> and it's all about the little things, right? Yeah. Making those cute little little nooks and crannies yeah. and little hideaways in amongst the tree roots and wherever. You know? Yeah, and little miniature plants, mosses and things. Yeah, yeah and, and using yeah, creativity. So yeah. I think that's, it's a, yeah, exactly. So it's adding a fantasy element to this year's tour. Fairy and fairy-related items are hidden in the participants participating gardens. Some of the items will be created by the members during a special workshop, which I think has just Uh happened. And so definitely grab some kids, head on over to the Richmond Hill Garden and Hort Society Fairy Gardens Tour for more information and to purchase tickets online, richmondhillinfo at gardenontario.org. And yeah, lots going on there. So that's, that's a fun one. Great. All right. So we better head off to some sponsored events, and we'll be right back. We've got Sharon waiting for us, calling in from West Lorne. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Absolutely. Expert advice at your fingertips every Saturday at 9 o'clock. Woohoo! Yeah, I know. Well, I've got you here. I can well, say that. No. <laughs> I don't know, Charlie. Lorraine, You're pretty expert. <laughs> Lorraine Flanagan is my special guest, and she is going to actually tell us in the next few minutes what she's doing in her garden, because she's got a really wacky project <laughs> I do. on the go. But in the meantime, let's just check in with Sharon. She's calling in from West Lorne. Good morning, Sharon. Good morning, ladies. It's Hi. a beautiful sunny morning and warm and nice spring, nice summer morning. Warm and getting warmer, I think, it today. It is going to be warmer tomorrow. Yeah. Anyway, um, what I'm calling for is about transplanting um, some... Uh, perennials in that too, the best time. The iris, the daylilies, and the asparagus. All right. Iris, daylily, asparagus. Well, 
Daylilies are pretty tough. I was going to say, you can transplant a daylily just about any time. Any time, okay. And two or three times a season. No, I'm really joking, but they are pretty tough. They sure are. Yeah, yeah. So daylilies you do at your convenience. Though when it's really, really hot, I wouldn't recommend transplanting anything. Irises. Like after they bloom, would that be... But if you, yes, uh, but some daylilies keep blooming. You know, there's a few varieties. I know. So, you know, you're going to, and honestly, technically, you never transplant something with blooms on it. No. So if something is blooming and you want to transplant it, you're supposed to cut off those flowers. Yeah. But most of us don't. No. (laughs) It doesn't feel right to cut off flowers. It doesn't. No. (laughs) Iris is the rule of thumb is early August to lift your and dig and divide your irises. Any of them, whether they be the tall ones or the short ones, it's a great opportunity to look at the rhizomes, make sure there are no, there's no evidence of borers, because uh, you'll really, really see them then. They're big and fat and pink and ugly, and Ugh. you can't miss them, and they're mm. disgusting. So irises, yep, in August on a, on a preferably kind of a, a cool or a cloudy day. Um, but they're, you know, they've done their flowering, and now it's just a matter of getting them into a new location, of course, sunny and well-drained. And if you do have that borer, do you, what do you do with those? You dispose of any uh, any rhizomes that have Gone. evidence of in the garbage. Yeah, yeah, garbage, not compost. Not compost. Yeah, and okay. um, yeah. So, and some of us don't have it, but it's, it is a problem. Like once you've got the borers, it's sometimes pretty hard to to eradicate them. Now, asparagus. <clears throat> I would think the right time to to transplant asparagus would be in the fall. Okay. Because you've got you know your big fern. You know what's well, there. That's what I was thinking. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't transplant it now <clears throat> because the fern, like the, the whole top frond, is likely to just get knocked over in the process. Mm-hmm. So I would wait later into the season so that you've maximized the photosynthesis and the, you know, the root is at its largest. Right. And, uh, and then dig up your chunks, you know, late August, early September kind of right. timing. Right. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. You, you ladies have a nice weekend and have a good you. day. You Thanks too, Sharon. Bye bye. Yeah. Have you ever grown asparagus? Never. No, me neither. It's tricky. Well, I shouldn't say that. It was, well, I lived in a farmhouse when I went to the University of Guelph for a couple of years, and that farmhouse came with With rhubarb, asparagus, huge lilacs, right? All the traditional peonies, the things that just are always there. So that was was my one experience of asparagus, of growing it in a sense. So, all right, let's, okay, now we'll go to St. Catharines. Shelley is on the line. Good morning, Shelley. Good morning. It is a beautiful morning. Isn't it, though? I was out walking my dog about 6.30 this morning, and the birds were singing, and Uh, it was quiet and peaceful, and uh, it was just just one of those days that makes you happy to be alive. Excellent. I want to move in with you instead of fighting traffic in Toronto. (laughs) (laughs) I called you earlier, um, Charlie, about my my rose that's about 50 years old. It got nipped by the frost, and unfortunately, I've lost it. Oh, It died. But... Mm. I have a new baby rose coming up uh, about a foot away from where the original one was planted. And what I'd like to know is, how do, when and how do I transplant this into the area where I really want it, not, not out so far into the garden? I want it closer to the wall because it is a climber. Right. And does it look, does this rose look the same, the leaves look the same as what the rose used to look like? Yes. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, so I'm wondering, like, is it coming up from a root? Well, it that's must- the interesting question. It, it, likely, yes. <clears throat> Though there are some roses that will actually set seed, you know, from the hips. Mm-hmm. You could technically have a seedling come up, but oh. more likely from the root if it's that, was that old of a rose. 
So the see, so many roses, particularly climbers, tend to be grafted or budded onto a rootstock other than themselves. And but a fifty-year-old rose—that's interesting. I, yeah, wow. I think this is going to be a really good experiment, and you're going to uh, report <laughs> back on this one. What okay. I would do is uh, in the fall, probably late August, early September, cool day, preferably a cloudy day. I would dig down, get as big of a root ball as you can. So you're going to be obviously severing that little tiny um, plant from other roots with your sharp shovel, but you're still going to pick up as much soil and as much root as you can when you transfer it to that location closer to the trellis or the wall. Right, right. Make sure you've got bone meal on hand. Oh, okay. I love using bone meal when I transplant yeah. roses. Yeah, yeah, roses love bone meal. Yeah. Just gets those roots growing as a priority. So also, do I mix it in with the soil? Yeah, you, you've got your hole ready to go. Yeah. You throw in a handful or one and a half handfuls of bone meal, stir it around a bit. Make sure the soil is in good condition so it's been amended with compost or composted manure. There's lots of good organic material there. Your bone meal's there. Your hose is on hand. The rose pops into that hole. You've got the soil you know, sort of properly. Um, uh, Just ready to go, right? Yeah, ready yeah. to go. All and you, yeah, amended yeah, yeah. and feeling yeah. good and loose so that those roots can actually spread out. And, and they will very quickly start to grow because yeah. the soil is so nice and warm. And at the end of the summer and early fall, that's the, one of the best times to transplant. The soil is optimal for roots to get growing. So, Well, course, this is on a kind of a southwest wall, so it gets a fair, a fair amount of sun. of sun. We do have a lot of trees around, so mm. it does have shade, but... It gets a lot of sun as well. Good. That's what roses like. Yes. They, they love as much sun, more sun, the better. So, yes. yeah, so that I would do all of that later in the summer. Okay. Well, it's going to be interesting to see if I get any blooms with it. So I'll... I was going to say, that's where you have to report back. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what happens next spring, what this looks like, and if you do get blooms next summer. And what color they are and exactly. if they have the perfume that the original rose exactly. had. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. it. Since then you'll know you still have the original as opposed to rootstock growing, which is still a rose, but it might not be your preferred rose. Right. Okay. Excellent. Wonderful. Thank nice. you so very much. You're very welcome. Thanks for calling. All right. I love it when I give people homework. Better than me having homework. <laughs> <laughs> But it's fun homework. Oh, really? you think? Really? All right, I'm putting on. you on it for next time. <laughs> okay, so we will take a short break and be right back after these messages. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And here we are. My special guest, Lorraine Flanagan. All right. Tell Uh-oh. everybody about your what you're doing in your garden right now, your latest project. Oh, I'm scaring the neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody's favorite, gardener next door. Yeah, really. <laughs> anyway, my front yard mm-hmm. has been due for a ma- overdue for a makeover mm-hmm. for many, many years. And this is the year that I decided to do it. Mm-hmm. And I have been intrigued with what's called a crevice garden. Crevice? Yeah, a crevice mm. garden. Okay. And it's kind of, it's a kind of rock garden. It's very specialized. And you build it with very sort of um, narrow... Pockets. Uh, yeah. So you... And and the stones are sort of upright. 
they're vertical. They're not horizontal right. like in a, like a, a traditional right. rock garden mm-hmm. thing. And they're touching each other. So there are really the crevices are. in between the stones are very, 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 very narrow. Yeah, like paper size. Yeah, almost wow. like paper. Exactly. And so you plant in these crevices. This is the idea. I haven't quite got there yet. <laughs> so that's why it's looking a little bit like a moonscape right now. <laughs> I was going to say Iceland in Toronto. Whoa, <laughs> crazy. Anyway, so that's why the neighbors think I'm crazy, really, because I've been hauling. Were, yeah, hauling all these rocks and then yeah. placing them so carefully down on yeah. your hands and knees with all, and then yeah. soil around yeah, to stabilize. Yeah, 1,200 pounds of rocks. And what kind of rocks are they? <laughs> Special kind of rocks? They're called Pennsylvania chicken rocks. Really? Really, yeah. Pennsylvania chicken Pennsylvania rocks. Pennsylvania chicken rocks. I have to it's look that one up. almost like a shale. Yeah. So, you know, very shallow. And, of course, you're putting them upright um, instead of horizontal. Which must so. look so odd. It's really odd. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to plant in there? And how tiny of things are you going to get? Well, you know, a lot of people, when they plant in these crevice gardens, use chopsticks. Ah. Because they can get in between right. the rocks and in those little crevices. And crevices, yeah, exactly. But like what? Like hens and chicks so, and like, or no, sedums? Or? Well, here's the other thing. This mm. is a shady front yard oh under my. a linden tree. <laughs> so, again, it's not your traditional no, rock garden rocker. situation. Yeah, I like to stretch the boundaries a little bit. Anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> Share with us the plan of what are you going to plant. So I'm going to primarily bulbs. Oh. Um, so Spring on, stuff. Uh, uh, spring stuff yeah. as well as um, fall crocus, autumn nice. crocus, nice. yeah, which a lot of people don't, don't have, have yeah. and I just love them. They're so gratifying. Mm. You don't have to wait a whole winter and another summer yeah, for yeah. them to bloom. You just plant them in August. And they bloom and in they September. Bloom yeah, in right September, away. exactly. So the idea is to, to plant all these um, Crocuses or or bulbs that will continue to grow throughout the season, and that's where the color is going to come. And then, of course, there's going to be a ground cover. Mm -hmm. My friend Sarah Cates Mm -hmm. from Wild at Heart Design suggested using lead lead ward. Lead ward. Yeah, the plumbago, the perennial plumbago, not the tropical one. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's got a beautiful, beautiful blue, deep blue flower Ah, to it. And the leaves turn kind of a bronzy color in the the Mm. fall. And handle some shade. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Mm. So that'll be a nice sort of compliment to the bulbs that are coming up through the crevices. (laughs) Anyway, that's the plan, We look forward to seeing photos of that (laughs) on... Uh, your various oh, on blogs Facebook. and Facebook. And yeah. your Facebook page is City Gardening? Yeah, so it's Facebook slash City Gardening. Right. And you'll be able to see my moonscape there. And follow, I, you could definitely, I was going to say follow, but just, yeah, yeah. check. You don't so, even have to. So be I a will Facebook update person. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I will update it so you can. Uh, you can see if this all works and it transforms from a moonscape to maybe something funky. Funky. It will definitely be funky. So this leads me to my obvious question uh, of 1,200 pounds of rocks. Oh, my gosh. How are you feeling after moving those kinds of rocks? A little achy. I a little achy. A little stiff. Yeah. yeah because, well, you know, you're bending down and placing those rocks. Up and down, up and down. down. down Oh, yeah, and did I mention there's a slope, too? Of course. So you're going up a slope, down a slope. (laughs) 
So I'm not sure if you've ever heard of this product, but it's called Sierra Cell. No, what is Joint this? Joint Formula 14. For people that are active and want to be active and stay active. Stay active. Okay. But are suffering from any kind of joint pain. So that could be hands, knees, wrists. Yeah, exactly. Knees, hips, any kind of joint pain. This particular product, it's a completely natural mineral supplement. You take three little pills every huh. day. I take them at night before I go to bed. Yeah, yeah. Lots of water. And uh, it, it will either alleviate your joint pain or it won't. But you will know within 14 days. 14 days. Yeah. That's pretty Which quick, is actually. where the name comes from. So if it works for you, there's a 14-day opportunity to figure it out. Uh, for anybody who would like to purchase this product, uh, it's a complete money-back guarantee if it doesn't work for you. Wow. So f- for more information, of course course, you can give the Sierra Soul people a call in Vancouver, which is where their oh. head office is, at one eight seven seven joint 14 or check them on the web, sierrasill.com. So there you go. That's your wow. homework. Ah! Your next project. Oh, that's an easy one. I'll do that. <laughs> yeah. So let us know how. I want, I'm hoping that, you know, you and Mark, who was to zero with your last oh, week, yeah, yeah. David Hobbs was here the week before. I hope you're all going to report back all on right. Sierra Soul has made a difference in your lives. Excellent. Excellent. All Thank right. you so much. Much, my Charlie. pleasure. Well, thank you to the Sierra Cell people. It's, oh, uh, it's okay. both Frank and I swear by it, as does yeah, Elliot, yeah. my husband, and yeah. even my mom. Oh. My mom, when she was out on the track, you know, racing past everybody, she goes, I am so frisky <laughs> when I'm taking my Sierra Cell. <laughs> Pretty cute. All right, let's head back to one of our callers. Rita is on the line calling from Richmond Hill. Good morning, Rita. Good morning. It's happy. It's nice to hear you ladies laugh and oh. giggle. It's <laughs> nice. Excellent. My question is, I have some cedar trees that go all around the house, and I need just to trim some of the tops off because they've gone crazy this year and down the side. Can I do it before August 7th? You should. (gasps) Oh, good. Okay, the the time to trim cedars is when they are actively growing. And that they're actually... Now it's heating up. They're sort of towards the end of their active growth period. But definitely the time to trim is typically mid-June. But with cedars, never take them so far back that you're down to naked wood with Oh, no, no, no. no. I'm only going to take it down probably about two or three. Oh, I know what you're saying. About two or three inches from the top and just... Skim it down the side yeah. so it looks beautiful for my door when she comes home. And you, they will be more dense. Uh, they will look better. And yeah. you control the size. And that's what's really important. Don't let your cedars get huge because then it's too late. <laughs> oh, these are beautiful. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, yep. you've made my day. Yeah, Thank get you so on much, that. ladies. Thanks for calling. <laughs> Thank you. Have fun. <laughs> Bye-bye. Like that. Yeah. It, it is the time to trim the yeah. cedars. Yeah, absolutely. All uh, right. Uh, here we have a first time caller, and I don't have the bell, but here we go. Ding, 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 ding. Oh. Good morning, Doreen, calling in from Oshawa. Good morning. It's nice to hear you gals having such fun. Oh, good. <laughs> um, I've listened for a long time, but this is the first time I've called in. Mm-hmm. I have a large patio made of interlock stones, which is overrun and undermined with mm. ants. Oh, those pesky I ants. need a natural solution, something that won't sicken or kill my small dog. <laughs> no. Oh. No, and you wouldn't, uh, there's nothing there that is even available that would sicken or kill your small dog. Two, I have two suggestions. Lorraine might have a couple. One is boiling water. Oh, yeah. Yes. Get, get that kettle boiling. Carefully walk outside with that, you know, recently boiled kettle and use that to pour into the, the, you can see the areas where they're undermining and the sand is being brought to the surface. Yes. Pouring that slowly, that hot kettle can, see the the trick with ants is you're never going to kill them all just not going to happen. All you're going to do is make it an environment in which it is a not happy place to be. 
I call it herding ants. Yeah. <laughs> I basically try to herd my ants off my property over to my over neighbors. Over to your neighbors, right. yeah. Because you're, like, you're not going to kill them all. It's yeah. just not going to happen. Um, so it's just you want to make it make them so unhappy that they are going to move. They're just going to take, a, you know, grab the eggs and go. And uh, so the boiling water does set up an environment in which they are not happy and they'll start scrambling around. There, there is a product called Ant Out, which is basically Bug Be Gone, uh, which is a pyrethrin-based spray, which will kill ants on contact. But, but will it, it kill my dog? No, no, won't kill your dog. Won't doesn't kill my cats. And I, oh, you know, it, when yeah. the when the ants come out onto the surface, and and you sometimes you'll actually see them because they'll emerge in the thousands yeah. because they're proceeding to move the nest. Mm-hmm. So they'll grow some wings and move on. So I'll get out my little ant. Out or yeah, it's basically like I say, bug be gone, and just spray them, and they, they just drop in their tracks. Um, as soon as it dries, it's completely inert. You don't want the the dog coming and sniffing and like you know walking into the wet insecticide ever. But uh, but yeah, it, once it's dry, it's completely inert. It won't hurt anything. It won't even hurt ants once it's dry. But um, but that is a way to kill a bunch of it at once. But again, you're still not killing them all. Then the hey, other. How about diatomaceous earth? Doesn't really work with ants because baby ants have are very low to the ground, and diatomaceous earth works on the principle that their bodies will rub through that white powder, which is actually like shards of glass to them. You use that for slugs. That's right, yeah. and it lacerates their underbellies, and of course they ooze out all their insides and they die. Look at the look on your it's face. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> it's lovely. I think it's, it's great cruel. when it works. But, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Poor ants. Um, but ants, they stand up high enough that I don't find it's diatomaceous earth works that well on ants, except the babies, because they're more soft-bodied. Mm. Okay. Um, but the ant traps can be useful, or ant killer is just borax and sugar. And the theory there is that the ants are attracted to the sugar. They lap up some of this liquid, which has borax in it. They take it down and they feed it to the queen and to the eggs and the pupa that are developing. And you ultimately should be able to kill the the nest. I had used that earlier times when I didn't have a dog. Right. Yeah. But I thought it might make her sick. Well, that's it. I would not put the ant killer. It it would. The borax will will upset their stomach. It wouldn't poison and kill the dog, but still it would make upset the stomach. Mm -hmm. So, but you can, um, I read something recently, take like an empty yogurt container, cut some holes in it, take cotton balls, soak them in the ant Ah. killer borax sugar mixture into the yogurt container. Holes big enough for the ants to go in and out, but not big enough for, for dogs a dog and, to get into and cats it. to play okay. around. Yeah. And the ants will go in, and then they'll suck all this, you know, ant borax sugar mixture off the cotton balls and take it home. Wow! And that can work as well, but it is a bit of a long-term project. It's not immediate. You'll never kill all the ants immediately. But you, like I said, you just want to make them unhappy and move on. Just go get somewhere else. Out of the neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Leave town. <laughs> go off to that, you know, takeout restaurant or something. <laughs> okay, then. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. There's <laughs> about 47 different answers on ant control. <laughs> but ants are frustrating. 
Uh, they are. They can be. And actually, my neighbor had a nest in the attic of her house, as oh, a matter of fact. Carpenter ants? Uh, I don't know what kind of ants. Just very annoying ants. Yeah, yeah. up and down. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. All around so those. she had to get them, yeah. Exterminated. Exactly, yeah. Hmm. My cats love ants, actually. Excellent. Can I borrow them, your cats? Eat them. Yum. <laughs> well, I found a very like a large, like kind of the size of a small Volkswagen yeah. on, on my uh, <laughs> counter this morning. I was like, whoa, that's a big ant. <laughs> My cat's oblivious. Oh, where's breakfast? <laughs> oh, look, here's breakfast, lunch, and dinner all in one insect. <laughs> Silly cat. Okay. Let's Who see. Who we got now? We're going to talk about hydrangeas. Oh. Siva's on the line in Toronto. Good morning, Siva. Good morning. I have uh, my hydrangea used to bear beautiful, huge blooms. Mm-hmm. Now they've dwindled, very small. What's, what could be wrong? Uh, uh, how long have you had the uh, hydrangea? Uh, I, quite a few years. I don't remember exactly, but let's say 10 years. Could it be that the hydrangea is in more shade now than it used to be because some trees have grown? No, no. Same same area. Same area, and, and light levels haven't changed at all? No. How no. about fertilizer? I do give it fertilizer. What do you give and when? I usually, every month, oh. I give the... Oh. The Miracle Grow. Okay, so starting in like April or May, mm-hmm. and huh. every month. Okay, so uh, one thing to point out is you should not be fertilizing any of your garden plants other than vegetables okay. and flowers after the end of July. So our last fertilizing of everything except lawns, vegetables, you know, annual stuff and lawns. There's no more fertilizing after July 31st. So. Okay. Anybody who's thinking about fertilizing, this is going to be the last month coming up. And that's because the fertilizer will promote growth Soft, won't, growth. Yeah, won't yeah, that won't make harden it off over for the, the winter. winter. That's yeah. right. So perennial plants, we want to let them naturally slow down and shut down yeah. as the days start really getting shorter. So that's why we don't fertilize after the end of July. But that's a good question. Okay, so um, blooms are smaller. So still lots of blooms, but blooms are smaller. Yes, yes. It could just be the year. It's been very dry yeah, this year, yeah. so maybe, yeah. you know, it's just not getting enough water. Okay. So yeah. after you, the bloom, should I just cut them back very low? I wouldn't. I save all my hydrangea cutting for the spring. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I like, the, I like leaving the blooms on for they're the winter. Nice. Yeah. They're They're quite attractive, yeah. whether they're PG type or the macrophile yeah. type. Yeah, I, I, I do pretty. leave them and actually cut them and bring them in at right. like yeah. the Christmas. That's but what fine. I yeah. mean is uh, when... Cutting time comes, which is next spring. Should yeah. I just yeah. cut them down? Yep, down to about four inches tall. All right. That's okay. what I do with them. Thank you. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yep, that's what I do. Cut yeah. them down. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you are brutal. A lot of yeah. pruning in the spring. <laughs> and then I just lie back all summer. Oh, yeah. 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 All right. We have to do a quick break, and we'll be right back after this. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All right, we're back, and I've got my special guest, Lorraine Flanagan, with me. It's been fun. I'm so glad you came in. Love it. It's always more fun with somebody. Yeah. You know, Frank's back next week. 
Oh, he's been Frank's in been in Ireland. Ireland. And Frank uh, has been sending photographs, including him kissing the Blarney Stone. <laughs> it's like, oh, my goodness. That's the last thing Frank needs is any more Blarney. Uh, all right. If you want to get in and call while Lorraine is still here, the numbers to call are 416-360-0740 or 866-740-4740. Yeah, we're waiting for your gardening questions here. We are. Well, we've got some callers. Um, you, there was one thing you were going to ask me about this nice little sample of Sierra Sil. Of Sierra Sil, yeah, exactly. Because I've been sitting in this chair, which is really a comfortable chair, but I have terrible hips. Oh. So I'm wondering where actually I could find Sierra Sil Joint Formula 14. All right. So I took you to the website and I'm showing yep. her sierrasil.com website. So S I E R R A S I L. Right on the homepage, left side, find a Sierra Sil retailer near you. So we, you just select your. We selected the country, country, the province, and the city, and it came up with all kinds of health food stores yep. here in Toronto, uh, including Whole Foods, the Big Carrot. Yeah. Uh, so lots and lots of you know high quality uh, health food stores do carry Sierra Sil, or you can order it online. Online too. Yeah. 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 All right. That's great. So there you go. So if Thank you're, you, ma'am. Yes. If you're successful with uh, trying it out and it, your hips feel better, you may want to pick up some Sierra Sil. It works out to a dollar a day. Oh, that's pretty per, cost effective. I was going to say, that's pretty affordable. That's less than what I spend on plants. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Confessions from a gardener on air. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, dog. Let's. Oh, we've got uh, Catherine on the line in Waterloo calling in about a magnolia tree. Good morning, Catherine. Good morning, Charlie. Yeah, I called uh, uh, several weeks ago about my magnolia tree, mm-hmm. how it, the, uh, the the branches and the you know have just went dark and mm-hmm. I have very few um, flowers. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, and you had. Uh, um, recommended horticultural oil soap and oil mm-hmm. we went to canadian tire and we couldn't figure out what to buy uh what what was the insect that you think uh it's called attacking the magnolia tree at this time of year, uh, magnolias that are under stress for any reason, uh, from drought in the past or construction around them or just even urban you know, pollution, that mm-hmm. sort of thing, poor soil, magnolia are very susceptible to an insect called scale. So S-C-A-L-E. And you will see the scale on the surface of the bark. They should be coming out right now, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, yeah. and oh. you will see their yeah. little bumps, little dark Dark gray, black bumps on this, oh, right on the bark of the main stem in a bad situation, but certainly it starts in the softer, newer growth on the twigs and branches. Uh, and what you're purchasing is called a dormant spray kit. And Canadian Tire, if they still have them from the spring, will have it on their shelf called a dormant spray kit. It's a box, orange and white box, with two bottles of liquid inside the box. Okay. Okay. And there's a summer spray and uh, 
uh, sort of early spring spray. That's so right. at this point in time, they it's should summer. have the summer. That's right. And spray. you wouldn't use the lime sulfur. You would strictly right. use the horticultural oil, and you would follow the summer spray instructions exactly, which is Perfect. little more water than there is in when the plants are yeah, truly yeah. dormant, which they aren't now. But yeah, scale it can be a huge problem, and it's certainly worth trying to control because it's they'll just devastate your magnolia. And that would be a shame. It's such mm-hmm. a beautiful tree, huh? Exactly. All righty. Okay. Good stuff. Thanks, Catherine. Thank you. Yeah. Black-eyed Susan. Ooh. Hazel. Look, Hazel's calling from Mississauga. Yay. Uh, I wonder. Is that the ex-mayor, the former mayor? I don't know. Good oh. morning, Hazel. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> Not quite. Oh, that was good. I like that. Feel free to call me Madam Mayor if you like. All right. Good morning, Madam <laughs> Mayor. Yeah. Good morning, Charlie. My question is: I have um, been trying for the last three years. I've not been successful with the Black Eye Susan. How is that I possible? Have huge, healthy leaves oh. and no blooms. Oh, are you fertilizing it with high nitrogen fertilizer? Maybe because that will promote a lot of leaf growth but at the expense of flowers oh, so what are well, you using um, I was you know? a bit negligent with fertilizer the last couple of years uh-huh. but uh, this year I tried mm-hmm. and um, I've, I've just been using the, the miracle grow the, uh, the little pebbly ones oh yeah the slow release ones yeah, yeah. Hmm. so huh. the, if it is a slow release you just use that once Okay. Okay, because it does slowly season, release yeah. for th- up to three months. So, oh, well, I, I only used it the one time. I okay, just perfect. Had a, rather negligent when it comes to fertilizing. And that should be fine. Like, black-eyed Susans yeah. are something that do not want to be in a highly fertile situation. Sort of, the more you neglect them, the better, frankly, in my experience. Uh, well, someone told me maybe I was watering it too much. Exactly. Maybe. So stop watering them. And what about don't sun? water at all. About, they'll grow sun? in yeah. sun or shade. They'll grow in gravel. They'll grow in <laughs> clay. They'll grow just about anywhere except in a swamp. They won't grow in a really wet spot, but yeah. they'll grow in dry spots. So stop watering them. Just don't okay, water. Okay, I'll try that. Just, I mean, there's going to be some rain coming, I think, tomorrow night, so you can't get around that. But just keep the water off the black-eyed Susans. Ignore them, and then all of a sudden you're going to step outside one day, and they're going to be full of blooms. <laughs> okay. Okay, seriously. <laughs> all right, thank you. Thanks for calling. It's like nasturtiums, right? <clears throat> if you water them and fertilize them, you'll just get leaves. You won't they, get flowers. You have to treat them tough. It's tough love, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tough love is the best way to go with yeah. those. And, and, and again, poor soil, Yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. All right, so we do have more callers, but just before we go back to our callers, and oh, we're almost done with the show, oh, uh, we do have one more. I know, one more short break, so we'll get that over with right now. Thanks, Sebastian. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.